Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the second Sunday of Easter, more informally known as Beat Up Doubting Thomas Sunday. But we will refrain from that today, attempting at least for this time together to keep the Eighth Commandment and steer clear of at least a little, if not a lot, of hypocrisy. Instead, let us consider the witness of Peter and the other apostles, Thomas among them, to the Jewish ruling council. We must obey God rather than men. In these words, there are two contrasting ideas. There is captivity, and there is freedom. Just prior to the text of today's first lesson from the book of Acts, the apostles in Peter, it's funny that we separate them, isn't it? But the apostles in Peter had been put into jail. In the spirit, though, they still remained free. On the other hand, we see the chief priests and the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees who seem to be free in the physical sense, but are in fact very much held captive. They're held captive by their own ignorance and their blindness to the power of God that took place through Jesus' resurrection. The freedom that the apostles had, on the other hand, is seen when they stand before the Sanhedrin and can confess boldly, we must obey God rather than men. So we're going to talk a little about freedom and captivity today. The Lord sets us free. For spiritual freedom, Jesus taught us to hold fast to the Word of God. In the Gospel of John, he's recorded as having said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Today, we gather together to hold fast to God's teachings and his truth that has set us free. We are encouraged to be just as bold as those apostles and to be just as confident in our faith, to be able to say, we must obey God rather than men. But just how did the apostles end up in that prison? At the beginning of Acts, we have Jesus' ascension. Then the events of Pentecost. The church grows by the thousands and the teaching of Jesus spread. Believers worship together daily. The disciples heal the infirm. And so they gain power among the people and favor. But this is not set well with the religious leaders. Verse 12 of chapter 5 of Acts says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. We're told that people would even be blessed if Peter's shadow would fall across them as he walked. And so you can imagine the Sanhedrin's concern. They thought that they had eliminated these teachings of Jesus when they got rid of him. But verse 17 tells us, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They were jealous of the apostles. And they were also upset at this teaching that the people were following and very upset with what was happening. They had not silenced Jesus. They had not squelched the Easter message. They had not stopped the power of Jesus' resurrection. 
And so we are told they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Now they thought the disciples couldn't reach people while they were imprisoned, and to some extent that's true. They couldn't be out in the streets or in the temple healing the sick. So the council thought that this imprisonment would stop the message. But God had far greater plans to spread his message, just as he has far greater plans for those who he has chosen to call to faith. Then released from jail miraculously and brought before the council, the disciples tell them the truth about Jesus. They say, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. The council was trying to cover up and to hide that message when they put the apostles in prison. You may remember earlier that after they had put Jesus to death and Jesus had been put into the tomb, these same leaders had hired a guard to watch the tomb. They had put a rock in front of it and sealed the tomb so that no one could come and steal the body away. And yet what happened? Jesus still rose from the dead. And then they tried to silence the power of God and that Easter message, telling the soldiers, spread the news that the disciples came and stole the body. St. Paul wrote that this rumor was still making the rounds when he was preaching and teaching. Yes, they tried to silence God's message, but they could not. Not with guards, not with rocks, not with seals, not with imprisonment, not with beatings, not even later with executions. The church still proclaimed the truth that we must obey God rather than men. It sounds a little strange to us that someone we even begin to attempt to suppress God and His message, doesn't it? And yet that has happened throughout every generation from the very beginning of time. After all, why did Adam and Eve sin? Because Satan tried to suppress God's message, creating doubt by saying, you will not surely die. And mankind in his own wisdom and his own self-righteousness also attempts to suppress God's message. The Tower of Babel was an attempt to reach the same level as God because we humans want to feel so self-important. But we are given this from the psalmist. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? We do delude ourselves. We do seek out and even create our own false gods. That very much describes our society today. There are so many false gods and messed up priorities in our lives that we can't even begin to list them all. And our culture makes a whole lot of things seem important and sets many of them up as important. And it deludes us into turning, human, turning to human solutions rather than turning to God. Worst of all, many start to believe that faithfulness to God's Word is not all that important. They begin to seek, as Paul wrote, what their itching ears want to hear. And people turn aside then to human myths and lies. There are hundreds and hundreds of books and lots of authors out there who have made lots of money trying to confuse the simple truth of the Scripture. People then get led astray. Paul writes in Thessalonians, 
For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Again, this is a ringing condemnation of our society that delights in wickedness. Places of debauchery are often filled to capacity, while places of worship are not nearly so full. Where are those many who were here last week? And how does it happen that even believers sometimes end up getting fooled? Well, Satan uses all sorts of weapons and tools to try to deceive mankind. Sometimes he even uses those pretending to be people of God. From 2 Corinthians, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Now, Satan does not openly say, I am going to take away your faith. I'm going to take you and your soul down to hell to be punished forever. But a false prophet doesn't say that either, does he? He doesn't broadcast that he's trying to lead one astray, that he will teach some false but reasonable-sounding doctrine that's attractive but doesn't agree with God's Word. No, they masquerade as angels of light. They come, as Jesus said in Matthew, as wolves in sheep's clothing. And they continue to try to silence God's Easter message. And today, for many, the value of Jesus' resurrection is lost as people celebrate the day as simply one of spring renewal or one of chocolate Easter bunnies and so on. Much like the early apostles, we need to fully understand just how important it is to say we must obey God rather than men. You and I were once held captive to sin. We were slaves to Satan and under the grip and the power of death. But now we have been set free to testify to the truth. Now Peter and the apostles at this juncture probably didn't expect to spend time in prison, especially after the powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost and all of that glorious growth of the early church. But Jesus, of course, had warned them of this coming. But they were still able to do miracles. They weren't expecting to be put into jail. But while they were inside, they still remained free. God did not leave them there either. The Lord opened the doors of the jail miraculously. And he brought them out to continue to tell people of this new life in Jesus Christ. No one could extinguish. No one could silence. No one can suppress God's Easter message. Our lesson continues today with what happens next. After the miraculous release, the apostles are brought back before the council. And here are Peter and the other apostles afraid to confess their faith before these powers that be. After all, this was the high ruling authority in their religious lives, those who should have known God's word the very best. And yet they again tell the apostles not to speak about Jesus. And that's when the disciples make their statement of, we must obey God rather than men. And to these leaders, they proclaim the Easter message once again. You killed Jesus, but Jesus was brought back to life. More than that, they tell these rulers, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. That was a profound statement. 
It tells these leaders that Jesus did not come as a rabble-rouser or as a troublemaker. Jesus came for repentance and for forgiveness, to provide salvation to Israel and all of those who once dwelt in darkness. Jesus came as the light of the world, to be the crucified Savior, to be the risen Savior. This is a simple truth that is the very essence of our Christian faith, that Jesus died for the sins of the world and died for your specific sins. We confess that in the creeds. It is a message that we cannot hear often enough. Paul proclaims it too. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul, who once sat in darkness, who once was held slave to sin and captive by Satan, was set free to testify to the truth. And he spent the rest of his life proclaiming that truth, that Christ lived, died, was buried, and rose again. This is the message that the prophets wrote about. This is the message fulfilled in all of the Gospels. This is the message proclaimed in all the epistles and the rest of the New Testament. It is a message, though, that remains under attack today. But we are constantly reminded by the Holy Spirit, through the faith that we have been given, that we must obey God rather than men. And so we stand up for our faith. Why? Paul tells us in Romans, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Eternal life is God's greatest gift to us. We could spend a lifetime trying to repay Him for that gift, but we would always fall infinitely short. Instead, we simply show our gratitude by faithful living, by a joyful life, and by letting that faith that we have in our hearts be made manifest in our lives. The prophet Jeremiah wrote these words about trying to hold in God's message. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. That is the same with us. We may not always put it into the same words as Jeremiah or feel it in quite the same way, but it's there. And so in everything that we do in His name, in accordance with His Word, when we are honest in dealing with others, when we are kind to those who are not so kind to us, forgiving to those not so forgiving, loving to the unlovable and treat our enemies as our friends, then we are testifying to the truth that Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose again for our forgiveness and to provide eternal life. He has changed our lives for eternity, and so we are changed even now. That is how we obey God rather than men. We also recognize and we respect those authorities that He has allowed to rule over us. Even though we will not always agree with it completely, the government is still there for our benefit. It is God's gift of reasonable order amidst the entropy and chaos of the world. And so we obey the laws of the land. God has not given us the right to protest or disobey against everything that we don't like in the world. 
Only that which violates God's far superior word. But we are reminded always that God's law is far more authoritative and far more correct than any law generated by man. And so when they depart from one another, we must obey God rather than men. Now, it didn't really hurt Peter and the other apostles to stand up for their faith against these authorities, did it? Yes, they were put into prison, but God let them out. They had the chance then to testify to those in authorities, and they did so. They were beaten, but they rejoiced in their suffering. The Lord continued to bless them even as many tried to silence the Easter message. And even today, though many try to make Easter seem unimportant or limited to one day, they cannot do so. We know how the world deals with Christmas. It deals with Easter much the same. But God's message still gets out because there are millions of believers, you and I among them, and millions more throughout the world. We are set free to proclaim and to testify to the truth that God is still God, that Jesus is our Savior, that our sins are forgiven, and that eternal life is ours. Peter writes in our epistle today, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the truth that the world cannot silence. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. And amen.